Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to a brand new series, a third series, can you believe it, of my favorite takeaway podcast. It's a joy to be back. I'm Tom, and I'm with... Simran. Simran. Oh, sorry. I jumped in too quickly, didn't I? <laughs> well, you I knew the answer. You're I was right too eager. You, you know the answer. Eager. It's so been you... so long since I've jumped in, so I was just keen to get keen to get there. Indeed, indeed. How are you, Sim? I'm so happy to be back. Are you keeping well? How, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very happy to be back. I'm happy to be back this week in particular, because this week I uh, ordered a pizza. Nice. It arrived. Very on brand. That's great. It's what the show requires. That's good. Yep. Very on brand. And... Um, I forgot the code. You know, now they have, you've you got to give a code yes. sometimes. So I forgot the code. And so I just sort of said, oh, I think it's, and he just said, I don't speak English. That was it. So he just said, okay. And then for some mad reason, I said, Espanol. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he went, si, Espanol. And then proceeded to speak to me in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Okay. <laughs> so I just said, I, you're right. I don't, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And then I went back to find the number. I don't know why I did that. But it's a good guess. I mean, on a certain level, he has to be impressed with that. But it does suggest that you do have some kind of skill in that department, doesn't it? At least that you might be able to give him the code in Spanish, at the very least. <laughs> at the very least. At the very least. What is that code about, by the way? What's happening? Why have they introduced this? What is happening? Are you asking me as if I know uh, the answer? And I don't have any answer for you, except... I'll tell you what I think it is, Sim. Oh, no, you, Go on. you tell me what it is. No, 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 no. You know, you tell me what it is. I think it is. There's a lot of people who are being brought full Chinese banquets or pizzas or whatever to their doorstep. Mm. And it's not their doorstep. And they've said, is this yours? And they've gone, yeah, it's mine. And the reason I think that's happening is because exactly what I'd do if someone brought loads of Chinese food to my store and said, is it mine? You'd just take it. You'd just take it. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. There'd be a hesitation. There'd be a look in my eye that thought I was thinking about it. And I'd say, no, I couldn't do that. I'm a good man. And I give to charity. I've got direct debits, everything. But I'm a good man. I'm a good man. I'm a good man. It's the last thing he says before he takes the third chow mein from the delivery driver. <laughs> I promise you I'm a good man. I'm a good father. I'm just hungry. I'm a good father. I love Chinese food. Um, well, Sim, uh, I, as we say, we are so happy to be back and we have a brilliant first episode. What a joyous guest. I know. He's brilliant. He's re- oh, I've given away. It's a bloke. Also, his name is given away in the... You can see it as you're clicking on the episode of the podcast. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so much of a surprising reveal as you think it's been such a long time (laughs) 
How do you think this show? Have you ever have you ever used a podcast before? Have you ever been on an app? I did. I've never eaten a takeaway. Are you thinking people are getting seven minutes in and going, "Oh, it's James Acast." I didn't realise that. <laughs> Bless you. No, it is Simon Rimmer this week, who you'll know from um, Sunday Brunch, and also he has a fantastic food podcast called Grilling, where he interviews celebrity guests. But he, I love chatting to him. I thought he was great. Didn't you, Sim? I think he was really, really lovely, and he had some incredibly interesting tips. Uh, which you'll have to listen to find out. Well, we're joined by Simon Rimmer. Thank you so much for joining us. Simon, where are you right now? I'm sitting in my kitchen, which I've got to be honest, when I bought this house, then the kitchen is an extension. The rest of the house is really warm, but the kitchen, I think because they clearly did it on the cheap, it's actually cold. I would have thought you might be the type who might have underfloor heating. You know what? Honestly, I think I should have. You would expect that, wouldn't you? But to be honest with you, what, what <laughs> I actually have in the whole of this kitchen area is one underperforming radiator. <laughs> or it could be haunted. I'm not, I don't oh. really believe in this sort of thing, but possibly something awful has happened in your kitchen in the past. That's what I start to into, into the interview. Like, but... There are sous chefs, <laughs> sous chefs buried underneath the floorboards. That's really, that's really cheered me up, guys. Thank you. <laughs> when, I, when I was a student, when I, uh, when I was at Leicester Poly way back in the 80s, then the last house that me and my mate lived in, it was £8 a week, just to give you an idea of how good it was. And it had, no, and it had absolutely no heating. And Leicester is one of the coldest places on earth because it's landlocked. And in that winter, I didn't have one cold. I think it's the healthiest I've ever been. So when you were in Leicester Pollen, you were dealing with the very cold weather. This is me now getting into your cooking immediately, as quickly as I can. What was it you would cook as a student when you were there? Uh, okay, so we used to have, my, my mate Phil and I, who, who was still sort of my, one of my best mates, our signature dish, we used to do stuffed peppers. So basically, you'd, you'd get a green pepper, you'd hollow out the middle, you'd blanch it in boiling water, it softened a little bit. Then you'd put uh, some grated cheddar cheese at the bottom, and then we'd pack it with chilli, and then you'd bake it in the oven. It was properly good for students, yeah. That is. That isn't classic student cooking. Yeah. So, 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 were you, so were you, did sort of word get around that there were these two mavericks <laughs> in the halls of residence <laughs> who were not just doing sort of boiling the bag pasta, all this sort of stuff? It was kind of. Yeah, obviously. I mean, there'd be a queue outside the door, you know, it'd just be like yeah. every, it'd be like, well, girls, come on, come on, just we were give us a night 45 off. grand a month. It was kind yeah. of. It was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> so, so you, so you weren't, you weren't, you didn't study cooking at uni, did you? No, I, I did fashion textile design. Okay, so what, what, was, what was your route going from that then? So how did you make the route from that into, into cooking then? When I was a student, like, like many students, I worked in hospitality. So I worked in student union bars, I worked in restaurants. So I, so I worked right the way through. I think always there was an itch that needed scratches. When I left, I worked as a freelance designer for five years. But always there was that little nag in the back of my mind. Just little by little, I sort of felt, you know what, I actually want to do something in this. And then the guy who is still my business partner today, uh, Simon, who's got a degree in French and politics from Leicester Uni, um, we both ended up in Manchester. And then, as with all the best ideas, on a drunken night out, we decided, hey, why don't we buy a restaurant with no money? Uh, and that was it. So it, it, was, it, it was one of those things where you just go, I can't actually believe that we did it. And then we, then we wrote a business plan wow. that was completely spurious, that really had no semblance of kind of reality to it at all. It was proper like Dell and Rodney kind of style. But we didn't need to borrow a lot of money. And it was back in the day when bank managers could actually say, yes, we'll lend you the money. 
And we went to see the bank. We sat there with this business plan that we knew was just a load of bollocks. And he said, yeah, we'll lend you the money to do that. And we walked out there and said, shit, I think we've just bought a restaurant. Wow, that is so that is so entrepreneurial. <laughs> it's sort of incredible. I'm trying to think of things that I've sort of decided to do on a night out when I'm hammered. It's kind of <laughs> <laughs> I, I which I have double chili sauce on my kebab. Maybe that sort of thing is like the, the, the limits of sort of adventurous behaviour. So, did you even know what sort of restaurant it was going to be at that point? No, no. Um, so we when we decided we were going to buy somewhere, we just had to find somewhere that was dead cheap. So now, if you, if you decide, you guys decide that you're going to open a restaurant tomorrow, you find an empty premises, you can turn it into a restaurant. Back in the 80s, they had real restrictions on how many restaurants they would allow to open. So you had to have a restaurant that had what they call A3 usage. So therefore, it meant you had to buy something that already existed. And so greens that we bought existed as a very sort of, very traditional, downbeat, sort of worthy veggie calf. And so we all sort of say, if that site had been a Turkish restaurant, then we would have bought a Turkish restaurant. It was by default rather than design that we started with a veggie restaurant. When you were at uni then, so you're... Can I just say, I was at Leicester Poly, because uni makes me sound... Uni makes me sound like I, I, I achieved good A-level results. I just want to make that clear, <laughs> that a D in Spanish and an E in French and an E in art does not constitute a red brick university education. I'd argue the la-di-da part of this story is the fact you're having stuffed peppers midweek. That's, that's, <laughs> if we're looking for a bit of pretension in this story, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I did fashion yesterday, for God's sake. Pretension was my middle name back in the 80s. <laughs> so the reason I ask, so because so, most other students are kind of there, it's, it's uh, oven pizzas and takeaways. That's basically what it is. So as a student then, so, so were you getting takeaways then or, or were you cooking everything for yourself? No, you know, it, it's really interesting because I think that takeaway for us would be, when you were walking home from the pub, there used to be uh, a takeaway called Mario's Chippy in Leicester on Braunston Gate. And it's where all the students would go because it was dead cheap. And they used to do the most amazing deep fried black pudding. So you would have <sighs> chips, deep fried black pudding and curry sauce. And that was wow. that was a meal made in heaven. And I think that was probably about as, as much of takeaway as we got. Even though Leicester has amazing Indian restaurants, we didn't really have a lot of takeaways. We were genuinely like typical students living on nothing, but we did cook a lot. We really did cook a lot together. What about sort of growing up then? When, as, as a child, did you ever get takeaways? Oh, yeah. So Saturday night, me and my mum had the night off and we'd always have chippy tea. And there's a takeaway that's still... It's actually just shut down recently, down the road from my parents' house called Sands, which still to this day, I've never had curry sauce as good as that. They're curried beef, half and half, because that's obviously what you do in Liverpool. That was the greatest thing ever. That would always be my favourite. My mum liked curried prawns. Uh, my sister liked chicken fried rice or chicken chow mein. And then my dad, he was always pretty adventurous. He liked um, beef and green pepper and black bean sauce. Or he would sometimes go sweet and sour. But Chinese was really, that was pretty much the only takeaway we would have. Beef and green pepper. That is quite adventurous. That time. Mm. I like the idea you're, you're pointing at that pepper and going, one day, Dad, I'm going to stuff one of those. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, so, I, stuffed that, I stuffed those peppers for my dad. Uh, but we didn't share. I think that's the interesting thing. You know, you would have yours. You know, I'm sure my mum and dad kind of scoff whatever I couldn't eat, you know, or I couldn't eat at all. But you'd have your own. And then there'd be the battle that I wanted to eat it out of the container, but my mum wanted me to put it on a plate. And, and I kind of get that. Who won that battle, Simon? 
It was it was a mixed bag, really. Sometimes it would be so. If I if I sat at the table, I could eat it out of the container. If I was having it on my knee, which again was the only time we we're ever allowed to eat on our knee growing up, was if you had the takeaway <laughs> on a Saturday night. So you know you yeah. could watch the generation game having your takeaway, and then I had to have it on a plate. So I've got a question, which is: Look, after you've had a takeaway in the morning, there's leftovers. And even if you're a slightly confident chef or someone in the kitchen, you might decide to do something with the leftovers. When you had takeaway growing up, was there like a chefy instinct of like doing something to it to zhuzh them up a bit? Would you like take it out the container occasionally, plate it up or that kind of thing? Or were you like a takeaway purist? Uh, a takeaway purist. Oh, completely. and Because it was a treat. You know, it was, it was the biggest yeah. treat. You know, we, we were that proper family that we didn't eat until my dad came home from work. We were the family that kind of ate together. So as a result, and the takeaway was the reward. That was the Saturday night reward. And if you'd been bad, it would be taken away from you. <laughs> really? The takeaway would be taken away. Wow. Be like, right, we're not having takeaway tonight then. You were not getting it. You're being a pain in the backside. Let's see what you don't like that's in the fridge. I can say as, as a parent now, I'm constantly looking for things I can remove yeah. <laughs> as a way of trying to control <laughs> behavior. Yeah. But for me, it's interesting to think about eating takeaways from a from a uh, the, the packet from the box my huge regret about british chinese takeaway is that it isn't served in those classic new york style yeah. white boxes i've got such a feeling it's to do with movies i think oh yeah i wish i wish we could have those absolutely why, why are we getting these see-through plastic sort of loveless containers when there's these beautiful sort of like movie ready i want to be cra- i want to be working late at night trying to crack a law case you know it's a, 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 a <laughs> We're writing, we're, we're, writing, we're writing the closing arguments of a major trial and we need to get a takeaway to inspire us. And, all, and also suddenly find that you are the world's best at using chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, can, yeah. you can pick individual grains of rice and just carry on solving that case. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I was in California a few years ago. The first, I think the first time I went, and when my kids were young, I think they were about four and nine at the time. And I remember going and ordering Chinese and it came in those containers and I'd, I'd hired this wow. big American SUV and I come out of the takeaway with it and exactly what you said before, I'm there thinking, <laughs> I'm actually a fucking hotshot lawyer. You know? <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> I, I am going back to my office. I'm undoing my tie and I'm still leaving my suit jacket on and then I'm going to put my feet on the table. I'm going to eat with chopsticks. I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah. <laughs> that is so iconic. It's it's the most iconic takeaway. The other iconic um, movie thing I want is I've always wanted, because of Home Alone 2, to have a massive slice of pizza in the back of a limo driving around New York. Uh, <laughs> There's a yeah. scene where Macaulay Culkin achieves that dream. I've always sort of had this thing of I'd love to do that, looking out of the skyscrapers. So, Simon, you've got, you've got kids. And yeah. do you have the same approach to your kids and takeaways as your parents did with you and takeaways? No. You see, you see, my kids are grown up now. My kids are 25 and 19. But they didn't used to be. Oh, hold on. I think that might be my door. Hold on. It might, it might be the moment. It might be the moment. Hang on, guys. Oh. This is where we have a little sound effect of the, yeah. of the bell. This is where we hear Simon leaving his house and then just walking away, <laughs> not enjoying the interview. Walking away. <laughs> the I'm door fucking, shut. I'm, I'm fucking done with these podcasts. Sim, I'd happily chat to you. I love you. <laughs> yeah. It's great. If you came back with a, a couple of Chinese takeaway white Chinese takeaway boxes. No. No, a false alarm again. No. So my kids, what did I say to my parents? No, not really. I think the big difference is that we 
would always allow the kids to order whatever they wanted, but it was more sherry. Yeah. You know what I mean? You didn't get your own thing. So, like, you know, if my, if my son had ordered, like, curried beef and half and half, then I would be having some of it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, we are that generation that, that sort of you know, want to share everything. And when you're, when you're having your takeaways, are you this sit in front of the telly type or are you around the table type? How formal do you get? It depends. So if we, were, if we were all here, then I do like sitting around a table. I think there's nothing greater than sitting around a table with people. But if I'm in on my own and I get a takeaway, and if this one ever arrives, then ordinarily, yeah, especially <laughs> if there's footy on, then I will sit and count. But I do, I do do this thing, right? So I've got this sort of central island in my kitchen. I do do this thing where I'll actually leave the takeaway in here and I'll come and top up. I wouldn't take the, ah. the, the full takeaway containers into there. I would allow yeah. myself, maybe it's my upbringing, I would allow myself a plate with takeaway on, but I couldn't have all the cartons in there. It'd feel a bit common. So that's so interesting <laughs> because that's so interesting because sometimes I, sometimes I find myself being caught as to whether I should carry it all over to the table mm. yeah. or I should leave it on the, on the kitchen worktop and then go and come back and go and come back. And usually what happens is I'll leave it on the kitchen worktop, I'll go, I'll come back and bring everything back to the table. Okay. So I, I find I tend to drag at least a few items with me that end up cluttering my view. I think one of, I think one of my rules with it is when I get takeaway, even when I'm really, really full, I'll never put the lids on the containers oh, until it's bedtime. No. So that any time I happen to walk into the kitchen, there's always a treat as you go past, you know, <laughs> that, you, that, you, that you, can, you can graze for three hours. You know, yeah. you'll, watch, you'll watch half of a football match and you say, right, I'll just go and get myself a cup of tea. And then you go, oh, <laughs> oh look, look at that delightful. Yeah, look at that bit of delicious lamb kebab that's going to sit in there. I might have that little cube of lamb. So yeah, I'll do that all night. I'll tell you something that feels like a treat and then you leave it for a few hours and it's really weird. It's uh, the very nature of what it is changes is Chinese sweet and sour sauce in a polystyrene pot. If yeah. you leave it like three hours, it goes rock hard like a Yeah, like, like a jelly. jelly. Like a yeah. jelly. It's really yeah. weird. I don't know what's happening, what the science is, but it's, it's so true, like a, like, a, like a lush bath bomb or something. It's really weird after three hours. It's no longer liquid. Yeah, that's, that's the amount of MSG and corn flour in it that sets is it that like what a that rock. Is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same with the curry sauce. And I kind of quite like that. I quite like that in the morning as well. Cold takeaway is God's gift, really, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I got into a habit. We were talking to Tom Allen about this. I got into a habit after having, if there was a lot of curry sauce, not like fish and chip curry sauce, like a curry, yeah, the, the gravy and the curry sauce left over, I'd fold it into scrambled eggs. Oh, nice. It was so good. Yeah, that's and then nice. I just couldn't, I just, uh, now that's like the thing that I try and do. I try and use the leftovers with other stuff. Yeah. What's your, uh, what, what's your opinion on cold naan bread the next day? Oh, mate, that's a really tough question. I know. I, I had to ask it. So obviously the, the hell about a naan bread in the paper bag is when you put your hand in it and it gets wet because the condensation inside yeah. the bag. You don't like so yeah. the next morning, I recently did, a, it was pretty dry and it was quite cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was in the fridge. Yeah. And I dipped it into a cold curry sauce and I did like it. Yeah. Yeah. But generally, I try, if I haven't finished it on the night, I tend to get rid rather than keep mm. it and have it in the morning. 
I'm very much a keeper. I keep it. I love it. I actually think the rice can go the next day. I never have the rice. I always keep the remainder of the bread and I dip that. I use that as a... What about yeah, you, Simon? Yeah. You see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn between the two things because I think, I know it's not very nice, but there's something about that slight sweetness, even though it's a little yeah. bit like cardboard the next day that makes you feel good. And then when you add yeah. a little bit of, you know, any kind of curry spice to yeah. it, it is okay. But I do feel a little bit dirty when I do it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's also because you're normally in your pajamas as well, just stood by the fridge or, or in your pants at like half seven and sort of like scooping it. That's the thing. I never take it out and create a new dish. No, good I just God, sort of no. incrementally take handfuls throughout the day and are really yeah. like a sort of divorcee. Isn't, isn't that part of the psychopath test that sort of says when you have a cold curry in the morning, do you replay it? And if you do, it's actually proof that you are a psychopath. Or have I, or am I kind of, have I read that wrong? That, the psychopath yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah. That was a bit in Making a Murder when I became suspicious of him. He thought, oh, wait a second. He's not, he's not, he's, he's plating up that curry. What's it? There's something going on Hold here. On a yeah. <laughs> it's also illegal to sit down with, with the curry out the fridge. You have to have to stand at the fridge door. Absolutely. With the fridge open. Oh, yes. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And even on, when it's really cold, then you still have to do it. You stand there freezing to death, but you have to do it. Because the minute you close the fridge door or you take it out of the fridge door, you've broken the rules of next morning takeaway. Let's do a very, very quick fire thing. Let's do a very, very quick fire thing. I'm going to fling, fling this to both of you, different cuisines, and tell me how you treat it the next day. Okay? Uh, pizza. What are you doing with a pizza the next day? Eat it, wherever it is. Eat it cold. I don't, Eat it cold. I, I don't put pizza in the fridge, right? So if I've got leftover pizza, I leave it out. Tell you. Yeah. Oh, that's making me panic. That's absolutely making me panic. That's a revelation. We've never had that on the show before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Leave it in the box so it doesn't go hard. It doesn't go crunchy. So in the morning, it's beautiful. Even if it's got meat on it. Even if it's got meat on it, yeah. It's been cool, oh, for God's so sake. Brave. I can't do that. This is because you're a wimp. This is because you're a wimp, a wimp and you're yeah. like, oh no, yeah. we can't. Yeah. Oh God, the meat's what the meat's suddenly going to become going to become completely poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> The pepperoni that's been aged for three months and made from the parts of an animal you don't want to think about. And you think, oh my God, I better put it in the fridge or it might do something to me. I love this. This is such an excellent, excellent truth, which exposes how wimpish yeah, most yeah. of us are around yeah. food. There was such a bite in the way you said that to me, Simran, as well. You are such a wimp. Like a real sort of like, it, came, it emanated deep from inside you. That, that, that was a point of hatred. Okay, next dish. Okay, so we've done uh, Chinese, done Indian. Uh, no, we, I don't, we haven't done Chinese properly. What are Chinese food? What, are you heating it through? What are you doing? What are you eating? Are you eating the egg fried rice again? That's a big risk. Uh, well, you see, that will put in the fridge, that, but, it, but it, is a, it is a dangerous one. You probably shouldn't do that. If I'm honest, I love Chinese takeaway when it's hot. I feel a bit dirty and like I've abused myself after I've eaten a Chinese takeaway because <laughs> it never makes me feel good. No matter what, I always feel a bit kind of, it, it affects my stomach and I feel a bit kind of like, oh God, why do you do that? I would say probably Chinese, I'd probably bin it once, once I'm done. I'm with Simon. I'd bin it as well. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm bin it on the night if I'm not finished it. Yeah. I'm bin it because I'm not having those water chestnuts the next day that's floating Ooh, around. It's, no. not, it's just not going in. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about you, Crane? What, what would you do? What kind of wimpish thing would you do with the Chinese? <laughs> no, once again, I, no, I, I, would, I would not risk uh, the rice, the egg fried, the egg fried rice. 
Obviously not. You're not rich in the 50-year-age pepper army. There's no way you're going to risk a bit of fried rice, is there? Because to my mind, anyone that's eaten egg fried rice the next day probably died. I, I haven't got the stats on that, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's at least 95% of people who've yeah. had egg fried rice the day after have died. Yeah. Um, but I, for me, I would, I would have the mixed veg as basically the rice with whatever dish I've got, crispy beef or it happens to be, and I'd eat that once again in my underpants at the fridge. Yeah. Just yeah. as my children run around behind me. <laughs> do you think do you think eating it in your underpants or eating by the fridge with sandwich, I completely agree with you, that's how you gotta do it, the leftovers. Yeah. Is it because you connect <laughs> you connect the takeaway uh, order with a sort of guilty pleasure of the night before? And if you're woken up the next the next morning, it's not like you're attacking the day. It's fresh. And you can't really go back to that state of last night that early in the morning. You need to start afresh here. All right. So so I'll throw the one back at you on that one then. So say for example, you 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 get up in the morning and you want to do that. If you come down into the kitchen and whether yeah. it be family member, <laughs> wife, partner, flatmate is there. Would you still do it, or does that spoil the moment? Because for me, it's about winning, right? I think <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I when I open that fridge door and I'm eating that cold takeaway, I am winning at life because nobody else knows I'm doing it. There is a technique to this which I have done before, which is to use the fridge door as a barrier between you and your loved ones, so they can't see what you're doing. Oh, oh, it's here! We have a knock at the oh! door. It's here. Come on, here we go. Here we go. Okay, okay, there we are. What do you think? Else? Would you would you do that, Sim? That the fridge door is a barrier, so your your girlfriend can't see what you're doing. Because that's the art of it. Surely you can do whatever you you can sort of squirrel away behind there. You can do whatever you want. But that's surely um, it depends on where your fridge is. Like my my fridge door opens up into a wall, so I don't think I'm gonna. No. <laughs> I, I'm gonna see. I'm not gonna see. You're Steve. quite thin. <laughs> oh, well, it used to be. Yes. 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 Oh, here we go. Oh, here we, here go, we go. Here we go. Yes. Can you hear the sound of Simon shouting? Oh. Simon's food is here. That wasn't Simon just really agreeing with Simran's point about the, uh, the fridge and the wall. The takeaway is here. So, yeah. Simon, tell us. Joy what have you got? Okay. So, uh, because you were paying, then um, I don't normally go starters, uh, but, <laughs> but I have. So, oh, should we have a sh- should we have a shout out for the place you're you've got your takeaway from? So basically, this is from uh, the Masala Lounge, which is sort of near one of my restaurants. Uh, but I've been going there for years, and it's a proper old school curry house. It's not a fancy curry house at all. Proper old school, um, really lovely Pakistani family that own it. So that that beautiful old school. So we've got onion bhajis. I mean, look. Look at these perfect little balls of onion joy. Oh, oh, oh that looks so good. Oh, I've got to say, they look they look crispy. And, oh, that, that, Simon looks so happy. Oh. <laughs> he looks, he looks <laughs> so happy. If I, oh. you can oh. see the, the, the sense of uh, pleasure. <laughs> look how much mint sauce they give you. I know. That's generosity, isn't it? That's the north for you. Yeah. That has blown my mind. That you, mm. Here oh. in London, your, the pot will be a quarter of the size of that. Mm. Oh, that is that is a deep mint mm. sauce. And then, yeah. so that's what that's, I'd say. Normally, I, I, if I'm going to have a sauce, I will just have a bargy. I, here's my, here's what, a what, what do you think makes a good bargy? What for you is that, what are you looking for in a good bargy? Well, see, I like it so that the the onion has to be really fine. There's nothing worse when the onion is, is, is too thickly chopped. Because then you get yeah. too much kind of, of that sort of ammonary acidity from the onion. When it's nice and fine, uh, then when it's fried, then it means that it goes soft really, really quickly, which, which is beautiful. They're a good size. So it means that they're nice and even. So you have the batter to onion ratio 
is absolutely spot on. Yeah. So how is how is an onion yeah. bhaji made then? What is 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 it, is it a simple thing to do? Is it what's what's the basic? So it's dead easy. So slice a load of onions, put them in a bowl, yeah. add some gram flour, enough to kind of cover um, all of the onions really really well. Then just start yeah. adding little bits of water, and you need salt and pepper, chili, anything else you want there. But the fundamentals are onion, uh, gram flour, and water. That's it. And then just add enough water into the gram flour. So when you work it, it becomes like a sticky paste. You don't want it to be yeah. a, a loose batter. You want it to feel like the onions just kind of coated in that and then mold them into whatever shape and then deep fry them. And if you don't have a deep fat fryer at home, don't make onion barges. Okay. What I'm saying, you can make them in a pan. You can't. You absolutely can't. Uh, you want to control that temperature. You want them at a good solid 180 all the time. And so they cook through in the middle. And they're, they're, I mean, those are beautiful. Conversely, one of the worst things you can eat, though, Sam, I don't know if you agree with this, are the onion bargey sides you get in supermarkets. Oh, no, are thank so you. so bad. The middle for, forgets what it is. You take a bite, it's like it's no I don't. It's really weird. Really, I don't know what's going on there. So maybe it's just a fact it needs to be freshly cooked. The difference between a like freshly made bhaji yeah. that yeah. is delivered hot and crunchy uh, and a bit oily, but, but really salty and sweet mm. and nice, and a supermarket bhaji <laughs> is absolutely massive. <laughs> I mean... Mm. I wouldn't bother. I just wouldn't bother. Mm. Right, Sam looks like he's having such a nice time. Oh, so then, I always feel a bit guilty when I do this. My good friend, Atul Kutchop, one of the greatest Indian chefs ever. Yep, brilliant chef, brilliant chef. He always says, never have any form of flavoured rice with the curry. It should always just be plain boiled rice. Interesting. However, I've fallen in love. Masala has to do this amazing onion pilau rice. Oh. Oh. Oh, it is so, so good. Talk us through it. You've got caramelised onions in there. There's a little bit of chilli. There's oh. some peas in there. And you get this lovely, I mean, just a rice on its own. This is actually rice that you would save for the next day because it is so good. Mm. And you got that nice combination of the rice and the onion is only just cooked. So it takes away that, that horrible kind of oniony flavour. So yeah. you still get, you can hear now... Oh, lovely! Yeah, that—that's yeah—that's onion crunching. Yeah. See, see that—that's that, quite interesting because usually, some with like with Indian food and Indian food that I grew up with, you sort of those onions for a long time. Yeah. Like it's like fifteen, twenty minutes. They're getting really caramelised and they're really sweet and oniony. But with that, actually, you're saying you don't cook it for too long. They've got a bit of crunch to them. Yeah. And that's what gives it a bit of texture. Yeah. So Atul told me. That it is always about the onions, and it depends on what type of curry you're doing as yeah. to how long you cook the onions for. So if you're having a lighter curry, then your onions cook for less time. And, and then uh, next up, this is just the most glorious thing in the world. So this is Masala Lounge's sag lamb, but Madras hot, okay? Oh. So, I mean, basically, it is literally loads of spinach, onion, garlic, loads of delicious uh, Madras strength spices, and it is... Just delicious. And that, together with the onion pilau. Mm. Now, that lamb, look, it looked like it was sticky and thick mm -hmm. uh, and not too liquidy, but packed full of flavour. Like, how, what, yeah. what's, what's, the, what's the sort of, what's the spice level on that? What's the kind of combination of spices you've got going on? So I, I, would, I would say they probably cooked, that lamb has probably got a good three and a half hours on it. So it's still got a little bit of resistance, but it's starting to fall apart. Interestingly, whenever you make um, sag lamb, then it's always recommended that you use frozen spinach, not fresh. Oh, really? Why is that? 
Well, apparently, because the water content, when you defrost it and you cook it out, it takes on the spices really well. Then as the water evaporates off, then it actually thickens itself. Was you go the other way, if you use fresh spinach, you think fresh spinach, yeah. you have to put like 14 tonnes into yeah. your pan <laughs> yeah. to get a spoonful. Well, with the, with the frozen, that has already been broken down. So then what's happening is the, the, the frozen spinach in a, in a sag lamb or any kind of curry dish, when you use frozen, then it just keeps, it stays. It doesn't reduce anymore. And what happens is the water comes out, it gets replaced with all of those spices. So you're just getting amazing flavor. And then, so I've opened up the, the nam bag and there's a bit of moisture yeah. on there. And it's just a plain nam. A plain nan. So, oh. oh, wow, look at this. I oh, mean, it's got the, the lovely charred bits on the front. That's got the, the perfect blistered, burnt, blistered bits at the top. So what's your thoughts behind a plain nan then? So because I'm kind of a garlic or a peshwari person. Do you think that's am – I, am I playing this wrong? I'm not yeah. into peshwari. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not really into peshwari. Really? But... Okay. You know, I'll, I'll forgive you. Because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm absolutely bastardizing my curry by having flavored rice. But I think it's the same thing. I always think what I want with the, the reason I only like plain nan is because I love that flavor. I love that slight sweetness. I just love that, that natural bready flavor. Mm -mm. Yeah. I, I tend to order hotter curries, though. And I think that partly why I go for Peshwari, because I find I quite like the sweetness, strong sweetness, coconut sweetie, against the heat. I think that might be, might be the result of the type of curry that I order. I've, I've heard that argument before, actually, and I kind of I, I see it. I do kind of see it. I think I, I want to use. I, I find that probably if I was just going to scoff this, I would probably eat three quarters of the naan and maybe a quarter of the rice. I find I just I use the the bread more than I'll use the rice, really. Josh Widdicombe, who we had on the show before, Josh Widdicombe was saying he, he doesn't order rice at all, so he mm. thinks rice is a waste with yeah. a curry. Or it should just be bread. John Robbins, as well, is a, a friend of mine, a comedian. He will order two mains and a, and a bread. That's what, that's what he goes for a curry. Never has a starter. That's his approach to it. I've got a question for you then, Simon. Right now, it looks like you've got quite a good naan to curry ratio. Mm. <laughs> But do you think, in general, you tear off too much bread for the amount of curry that you're using? Because I find I often go a bit too much on the bread. Oh. And so I get filled up probably quicker than I should do. I should take smaller bits of naan and go slightly bigger on the amount of sauce that there is. Could be a bit messy. But, you see, I, I, I don't mind getting full. And maybe it's an age thing. I find sort of the, the older I get, the more I accept the fact that my, that my old man's constitution, if I, if I get full, as long as I'm enjoying that combination, like now I've, I've, I've had like two nice big scoops full of naan with curry in and a tiny little bit of rice. And I'm feeling good. Yeah, my aftertaste now yeah. is a nice little madras burn on there. I've got the yeah. beautiful sweetness of the rice. And then that onion rice. Yeah. The onion rice seems to be a big revelation. Okay, so, so you've got all those different things. What are you washing it down with? You see, here's the weird thing. At home now, I, I actually, if you were to come out, it'd be slightly different. I never drink at home. I'm drinking water. Interesting. Uh, actually, okay. yeah. I've been doing that a lot recently as well. Mm. I've just been drinking water. Yeah. Yeah. If I was out, if we were out not having a takeaway, then I'd definitely have a pint of lager. I'd have a cobra or a kingfisher. Yeah, yeah. I prefer kingfisher to cobra, incidentally. Is that because kingfisher's properly Indian, whereas cobra is not? I think it's I think it's more the fact that when I first moved to Manchester back in nineteen eighty eight, then all the curry houses we used to go to 
they all used to have kingfish rather than cobra. So I think it became my, you know, I think it just became my brand of choice. I think in reality, I like them both. If, yeah, they have, yeah. if, if you go to an Indian restaurant and they have both of them, I'd always plump for the kingfisher rather than the cobra. I remember reading about, I think it was Marco Pierre White or someone was talking about, after they've done a long service, that they would go, he'd take everyone out for a Chinese. Mm. Now, Simon, you've worked in proper restaurants and you've done long services. After a really, really busy week of being in the kitchen, what was your like go-to food? You have to eat. But presumably you're not eating yeah. the stuff that you've just spent a week cooking three times a day. <laughs> Back in the day, when we first opened, we didn't used to open on a Sunday. So when we used to finish service on a Saturday, we would always go for an Indian. We'd always go into Rush Home right. and we'd go and, have a, we'd go and have a curry. And it was always, always what we did. Now, again, because I'm an old man, I don't like to eat that late at night. So now, <laughs> it, 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 honestly... Honestly, you guys are young. Getting old is a really <laughs> terrible thing. Your body does strange things to you when you, when you eat this late at night. Um, so what happens? How, how does your body respond? Are you like a gremlin? What happens when you eat late? Is it kind of, <laughs> think, what's your... I think I just feel... Yeah, it does. It feels like it feels like alien is going to come out of you. When, you. when I eat late at night, I just find that it just doesn't really agree with me. So cooking food throughout the week as a chef, mm-hmm. aside from takeaways, does that affect what you cook for yourself can you be asked to cook for yourself yeah yeah i can what happens are you just having toast all the time do you actually bother? no I, I still like cooking cooking at home is very different oh it feels different does it yeah 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 i, I think that you know when i at home i i don't i don't think i eat particularly differently to a lot of the food that we cook at greens i eat loads of fish i eat loads of fresh fish i eat loads of veggies i eat loads of pulses but my guilty one right so if i if i'm home on my own it, it tends to yeah. be on the daytime and this is, this is quite disgusting, so brace yourselves for this. Okay, brilliant. My go-to is I will empty a tin of beans, preferably with sausages, into a pan. Into that, when it's warm, I'll add a tin of any kind of tin fish, sardines, mackerel, whatever. I'll then add chili sauce to it, and that is my kind of go-to, complete and utter filthy, dirty, guilty pleasure. And I will eat it out of the pan. Hold on. Hold on a sec. I know. That is the sort of thing someone would be... So they'd ask to eat on a game show to win a grand, and they'd go, I don't think I'm going to do it. Or a stag do, which has gone terribly wrong. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's not even drunken food. So it's beans yeah. with those horrible sausages, which yeah. instantly are not sausages. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know what they are. They're yeah. just objects, meaty objects. And then fish, yeah. like yeah. tuna yeah. fish. <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be, no it'll, be, it'll be mackerel. It'll be, you know, a little, little tin of kind of like, you know, Mackerel in kind of chili sauce. I'm not, or... sure, I'm not sure there's a big difference there. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what that feels like, Simon. That feels like you're moving house and you need to get rid of what's left in the cupboard. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. the removal van's about to come and you go, well, this just give it a right. go. I'm starving. Well, funny enough, I actually discovered it during lockdown, you know, when you were allowed out for like four seconds a day. Yeah. And you come back, you come back from the supermarket and go, I don't want anything that I've just bought. You know, I've just bought a load of kind of (laughs) salads and vegetables. I'm thinking I'm so bored. I've been stuck inside for the last kind of like God knows how many months. Uh, And I go, oh, fancy some beans. I say, oh, I could do with something good though. Like, you know, some oily fish. Oh, it's a little tin of mackerel there. I bet that's disgusting (laughs) together. Why don't I try it? And then then I ate it. I thought, all right, I actually quite like it. (laughs) I'm just imagining... Your family go like bored out of their mind in lockdown, and you go out. They go, "Don't worry, yeah. Dad's gone out. He's going to bring back something nice. He's a chef yeah. after all. He knows what he's talking about." 
<laughs> and you brought that back. It's a terrible thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, honestly, I, I don't even... It's not one of those things you know, where you tell somebody your weird combination, you say, try it, you might like it. Don't try it. <laughs> I'm sure it's absolutely <laughs> utterly disgusting, but I've grown to like it. I feel it's mine. I'm, I own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got another question for you, Simon. Look, as a professional chef, I'm always interested to know how you cope with watching other people cook. And if, for example, you can see them not quite doing something right, are you good at, at holding back the urge to intervene? God, yeah. And if you do intervene, if you do intervene, how do you intervene in a way that isn't, or do you just leave it? It's never worth intervening ever. <laughs> I've, just been, I've, been, I've been doing it for, for so, so long. So generally speaking, if I'm watching somebody else cook, it's different if I'm in the restaurant. We're talking like from a from a, from a social point of view. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would, I would hope you intervene in the restaurant. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but from a social point of view, you kind of go, well, nobody ever cooks for me. You know, when you're a chef, mm. nobody invites you around for dinner. So somebody does. Oh, that's interesting. I absolutely don't care. If you were to serve me beans with mackerel. Oh, no, that's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you were to kind of you know, serve me whatever then you're cooking. I just think, you know what, I'm kind of quite, I'm a really, really easy person to cook for. I like the social side of food and I can cope with very, very mediocre food and I just like the joy of, I like the joy of food, you know, no matter what, you know. The, the worst thing that happens uh, professionally is if I go out, say if we met each other, so let's just go to the pub, there's, you know, there's a great little pub down here, do a great sausage and mash. I'm going into the pub to have the sausage and mash that the pub do. And then they see that I'm in. So suddenly they're jengering the sausages and they're trying to spell my name out of them. And they're, and they're, and they're, and they're, and they're, oh and they're piping the mashed potato to look like the QE2. And I don't, that, that's the worst thing that happened. You know, I, I, I want to eat the food that I've gone in to kind of to have. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. And I find that fascinating, even amongst your friends, that there's a pressure that when you come around, even like barbecues and things. Let's say you go to a barbecue and even something simple like that. Do you, do you think people feel resistant to be the guy who puts the sausage on and gives it to you? I think I've only really got three friends who ever cook for me. The rest just right. never, ever kind of do it. Yeah, And the ones that kind of cook are ones who are very happy with, with what they do. Well, one, my, yeah. my friend Cheryl, she's an amazing cook, so she's dead, dead, dead confidence. Then the other two and just sort of like... white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> swearing and... My two couple of friends are cooked for me. And then like, the other two are just like, they're just happy with a the lot. They go, you know what? I'm not a great cook, but you know what? I could do a good steak and I really do. I can con off cook an oven chip. And I'm just, I'm happy with that. That's an interesting thing, actually. What, for people who listen to this podcast who literally can't cook, now this is a takeaway podcast, there are a lot of people who can't. Yeah. What is an easy starter meal that people should try and get their head around that might open up some self-belief that they can cook? And you can't say beans and tuna. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, th I think if you, if you can master a really good spaghetti bolognese, it can mm. lead to so many things. So if you... Practice, practice, practice. Go, right, okay, how long do I cut the onions for? How long do I cut the other veggies for? I found that if I seal the, the, the mince for kind of six minutes, it's better than if I do it for five. How much tomato puree? How long do I cook that out for? And almost sort of analyze it as you go. And, you know, how much, how much herb do I put in? Is it kind of like a teaspoon? Is it one and a half teaspoons? And so you get used to getting that. So you, you kind of take ownership of it. And if you've mastered a yeah. bolognese, then you could also master a chili. And then you can also master a cottage pie. 
And then you can also master a lasagna. So I always think that, you know, a mince based sauce is a really, really good place to start. And nobody is going to be unhappy. If you, if you master a spag bowl, it is one of the greatest things that you, yeah. that you can ever do because it leads to other things. And I think you, you learn. I would sort of say, when you, if you can't cook, one of the things you need to learn to do is taste and be very, very critical of what you taste. Don't make it all and then taste it. Keep tasting as you go. So yeah. the art of seasoning isn't to add salt and pepper at the end. It's to season as you go. So the salt becomes a, a, a conduit to bring out other flavors. That's really interesting. It's really good advice, Dan. So, for instance, you would have tasted the beans and the sausage and thought this is like... <laughs> <laughs> always. Always. always, always taste, 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 taste. more of that molding. That perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think more of that grotty chili oil that's out of the mackerel could go into that pan. Now, we're reaching, we're slightly reaching the end of our time. And one thing that we ask all of our guests, and you could pick one of the three, and you could pick none if they're not for you. The ultimate order when it comes to either Domino's, KFC, or McDonald's. The classics. The classics. There's only one of those that I would eat. Domino's is the only one I would eat. I hate KFC and I hate McDonald's. Not because I'm a snob, I just don't like them. I find KFC is incredibly disappointingly soggy and the chicken is sort of quite tasteless and a bit slimy. Uh, And McDonald's uh, is too sweet. Uh, I do like a Domino's. Is it, is it the bread you find too sweet then in, in a Big Mac, for example? Mm. Is, that, is that what you're finding? I think there's a, I think there's a level of sweetness in, in all of it. I find that the burgers taste there a little bit sweet. The fries taste a little bit sweet. I don't like the pickle, the, the, the gherkin in it. And I love pickles. Oh, yeah. The gherkin is too sweet. The whole thing feels like it's on the brink. If I had a little bit more sugar in it, you could sell it as confectionery. I think it's, you know, yeah. it gets almost that sweet at McDonald's. Okay. And KFC <laughs> have just never, ever liked it. But a Domino's, yeah. I would say... I don't ever order a Domino's, but if my kids order a Domino's and there's some left, coming back to leaving the pizza overnight, in oh, the yeah. morning, uh, I like the sort of the, uh, the garlic herby sauce that you dip in. Uh, that is a good one, a Domino's. So it would be Domino's and nothing else. And I, I also know that well, you're, obviously, you're a big Liverpool fan, is that mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So takeaway culture is something that's sort of grown around football. I'm a big football fan myself. Like my memories of eating food before football back in the day in the 90s is so support. different to what it is now. Well, I'm actually a weird fan. I'm a big football fan, but I don't actually have a team. That is so weird. That is so weird. <laughs> wow. I used to follow Villa as a teenager, not wanting to sound like the biggest twat in the world, but I will. I just lo- love the game. <laughs> Wow. I hate myself. I hate myself. But that is true. But I go and see a lot of so I've got friends who work at West Ham. I go and see them quite a lot on a variety of things. And whoever basically I'll I'll go and see teams with friends who they support. But the culture of food around football has changed completely. Like what what do you eat on a match day now? What's what's your sort of match day okay. food? Uh, well, again, without wanting to sound like the biggest wanker in the world, I now sit in a very, very nice lounge when I go when I go okay, around yeah, yeah. <laughs> for your prawn sandwiches, Simon. Yeah. You've got your prawn sandwiches. Honestly. And it's <laughs> And I'll tell you, my, my son Hamish, who's 19, and has led a very, very privileged life compared to the life that, that I had. And we were at the game the other week, and uh, getting towards half time, and he suddenly looks really grumpy. And Liverpool are winning. I said, What's wrong with you? He goes, Oh, God, I've just remembered. They changed from the beef pie at half time to a cheese and onion. Nobody wants a cheese and onion pie at half time. I said, Oh, poor little prince, having to have have that handcrafted cheese and onion pie rather than than the beef one. 
Father, this is this is Emmental, Father. One of my one of my favourite shows. I went away to see Liverpool play Udinese years ago in Italy. Oh, amazing! It was brilliant. You know, we, we had a, we had a really good time, and we you know like typical kind of we've been out a few beers, blah blah. Then at half time, as we go into the sort of and it wasn't even the lounge, we just says normal fans, but we were it, it wasn't segregated. The Italian fans were as well, mm. and everybody's queuing up nicely, getting a large espresso. And they're serving beautifully carved uh, Parma ham to everybody. No, and wow. it was and it was incredible. Wow, absolutely incredible. You know, it was it was so so good. Do you enjoy the experience of being a football fan in a box with your aged beef pie, or do you miss the terrace and the bovril? <laughs> yeah, and the bovril exactly. Yeah. When um, because <laughs> I, I try and go to a few European away games every season, and then. Slum, it's the wrong word. But then, you know, we're just in normal. And I do really, really love it. But almost when I go to Anfield, I do like it. I do like the fact that, you know, we get looked after and it's lovely. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I know it makes me sound like a, a like a fickle fan, but I, I love it. And the seats are great and the food is good and the people there are nice. Yeah, and you don't yeah, have to yeah, queue yeah. for the toilet at halftime. So, you know, and again, when you get to be an old man, <laughs> you know, if, if I can last 45 minutes without needing a wee, I'm in a really, really good place. <laughs> so before we, before we go, we have uh, just a few little questions for takeaway base on the off chance. This is something you've experienced. First question is, do you have any takeaway gripes? Are there things about the takeaway experience that annoy you that you would like to get off your chest? Anything that you don't like? I, I mean, I think that, well, funny enough, you brought it up, really. I object to when you, when you order something and you get a tiny little pot of sauce. So you're sort of there <laughs> oh, and yeah. you, you want enough sauce to actually make it work. So chili sauce being a good one. Yeah. There's a Lebanese takeaway that we use and it's great, but they make you order extra chili sauce because they send it out in what could only pass as a very small elf's thimble of chili sauce. Yeah, and they yeah, charge yeah. you like two and a half, three quid for more. That drives me mad. If I'm going to do sauce, I want enough of it. I think takeaways also are catching on to the profit margins they can make on yeah, sauce. big time. And yeah. the price of yeah. sauces, yeah. You, yeah. Hear, you heard it here first, yeah. are on the rise. Yeah. The price what of you should go is go to a Costco or a, a, a cash and carry yes. and buy a tub of that sauce and just dispense it yourself. However, Sim, the mango chutney you get from an Indian takeaway is better than the yeah. glass bottle stuff yes, you'll get is. from a supermarket. It's never that the same. Yeah. I think there might be the sugar content in it, possibly. They're really hitting it yeah. hard with that, but it's never as good. That is true. Uh, the second question, in line with that, have you have you ever had any takeaway disasters? Any time that a takeaway has gone wrong for you? Uh, many when, you know, well, I've had both good and bad. So a good one, um, again, one of the few times when I ordered Deliveroo, I was in London uh, on a Saturday night and I couldn't be bothered going out. So I, I thought I'll get Deliveroo, deliver to the hotel. And I ordered, I'd ordered some Lebanese food. Right, so I'd ordered like chicken kebab, bit of rice, blah 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 blah. So uh, the guy comes, he goes, "Yeah, what's your number? Give him that." And they go, and I open up, and this is honestly true. I had a whole lobster, I had, <laughs> I had fries, I had this amazing salad. So the poor person who had ordered all this amazing food clearly got my little Lebanese chicken kebab. Oh no! And I got this whole lobster. <laughs> This amazing feast, this beautiful Bernays sauce. That, that was that was absolutely brilliant. 
Oh no! I'm imagining like a dad saying to a daughter, you know, his daughter, "It's your 18th birthday, and we've got exactly here. <laughs> <laughs> something you've always wanted to try." Yeah. It's a chicken kebab. Yeah. Oh. And, and I had it. And then the, other, the, the 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 big disaster isn't actually mine. It's one of my old chefs, and he told the story when he was leaving work. He said, "Oh my god, I'm so looking forward to tonight. I'm gonna get chicken tikka masala from your local takeaway." Blah 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 blah. Anyway, so he goes home and he orders this, and he goes and he comes back home and he opens it up. And they've done lamb tikka masala, not chicken, right? This is his regular takeaway. So he's been building up to this all day. He's been telling us about it all day. He's incensed. So he goes driving back to the takeaway with the lamb tikka masala. And he goes, fucking lamb tikka masala with a chicken tikka masala. He goes, oh, yeah, really sorry, mate. We'll do it. He goes, no, fuck it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Just give me my money back. And he said they handed over the £9.40. He said, he said, I'm driving back. I'm thinking, what have I just done? <laughs> so not only had he made a film, so he could never go back to what had been his favourite oh, no. takeaway. Because he went in for it in a crowded takeaway and absolutely lost the plot. Oh my god, that That's is incredible! Yeah. I mean, I do, I do know the feeling of, a, of, a, of an order being wrong, but I don't think I could ever oh, bring myself. To that. I couldn't storm back into a no. restaurant. No, I yeah, couldn't yeah, storm yeah. back in and. <laughs> And then just demand the brilliant. nine pound forty just back. Brilliant. <laughs> just brilliant. Have you have you ever rung to complain about something going wrong with a takeaway? Have you ever done no, that? No, I, I think I can't no. be bothered. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, you know, because every now and again, particularly I think if you order for a lot of people, there's always something missing, isn't there? There's always a, a yeah. rice or a bread yeah. or a dish. And you just kind of go, yeah, yeah, I've waited long enough. Yeah, this is um, yeah. a genuine story. At the Edinburgh Festival once, when I was doing a show up there, I ordered a pizza. I won't say from the place. And when I opened the box, there was a footprint on it. And because I don't complain, I just didn't eat that slice. I just left that slice and ate the rest of it. It's so bleak. How small is the foot? It was like a heavy workman's footprint. Oh, my massive. God. I love that. That's really oh. good. But just leave. You can't, you can't say anything. Um, so, well, Simon, that's been, uh, that's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Pleasure. Yeah, really fun, Simon. Thank you. Before we go, let's sort of take stock of the meal you had, the dishes you had and the place you ordered from for, for your listeners who might live in the area. So my, my favourite takeaway for Indian is called the Masala Lounge in Sale. And it's a, it's a proper old school takeaway. You know, it's, it's an old school Pakistani family. And it's, it's all the things that I love growing up about, about Indian food. So I started off with their amazing bargies, which are beautifully round, crispy, tasty just a little bit of spice in. Uh, and then I had um, saglam. I always love saglam, but I, I like it to be hotter. So they always do it madras hot for me. So you've got that little bit of kick in there. And then the onion pilau rice, which, you know, I'm slightly guilty about because I'm always sort of told you should only have plain rice with, with, a, with a curry. But I love it because the onions are still a little bit on the side of kind of underdone and therefore are really, really beautiful. And then the nambra, which is beautiful, sweet, tasty, blistered, absolutely heavenly and it's just an incredibly delicious meal and enough yogurt and mint sauce to keep you happy very good that sounds brilliant what a review well thank you so much simon for coming on our show pleasure it's a real joy speaking to you yeah it really was bless you thank you guys it's been real fun hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. contact the show on twitter at fave takeaway pod or instagram on my favorite takeaway podcast you can email us with your stories of takeaway woe gripes your worries on hello at my favorite takeaway podcast.com that was the very funny simon rimmer what a lovely man he was i'll tell you what really stood out for me tom is leaving his pizza overnight uh, not in a fridge which I thought was quite brave and something I'm now going to implement because I always get told off for leaving things out and that should go straight to the fridge. But actually, if Rimmer's doing it, I can do it. <laughs> if Rimmer's doing it. <laughs> Is he now your guru for all things in life? You were ever worried? He should be everybody's guru. I think the man's a genius. Tweet Simon Rimmer and say, "Is this okay? Is it all right?" Uh, yeah. I know, to be honest, it, it genuinely makes me feel quite panicked thinking about the fact he does that. So, so much so, I'm, I'm choosing not to think about it. The fact that he said it, Tom, means that you shouldn't panic. You should feel comfortable. You're secure. You're safe in Simon's hands. It's a good point. Rimino's. Now, as always, if you have anything you want to tell us, um, there are many ways you can get in contact. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll be back next time with the very wonderful, very funny Matt Ford. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 